0: a 30-Day Money Back Guarantee. 800-867-6917. 800-867-6917. 800-867-6917. That's 800-867-6917.
1: It's Rick Tittle!
2: Hey, 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 ho, 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 your ugly face has got to go. Rick Tittle with you. Two for Tuesday, double shots of Judas Priest and Van Halen, all for the next three hours. So many times over the years, people are like, you're DJ? Like, now sports talk show host. But you're on the radio, right? Yeah, well, you're the DJ. I was a DJ in college. <clears throat> and my name was The Serpent. I think it was because, well, I know it was because I loved Ken Stabler, so that was like my fake radio name, and um, one day, uh, and I was, it was like a graveyard shift, it was a real sweet gig, but anyway, a guy came in at midnight, another guy, there's this dork named Richard, If that's my name too, but if you go by Richard, or Timothy, or Christopher, or Kenneth, if you go by your full name like that, unless it's like Dominic, then it kind of flows. But <laughs> but you go, hello, I'm Jonathan, and I'm like, well, you don't have any friends anyway. This guy named Richard, and he's like, I-, I I thought this was my shift, and so it was like it was mostly high school kids because all I played was punk, and I said, I'll put it out to the uh, I'm 18 years old. I'll put it out to my, the listeners. Would you rather hear the serpent or Richard? Phil, you're online too. This guy says, I think you should both get off the effing air. That was my first ever radio call. <laughs> uh, you'll never forget your first time, right? <clears throat> Karen Lyle's with us with SailSportTalk.com and uh, John Bush. That'll be at 9 40. He's with the Long Beach uh, Yacht Club. We'll also bring in uh, someone who we tried to get yesterday. We'll get him today. Khalil Everidge, the actor. And Tim Brown, not the Hall of Famer, the author. Not the former sports byline producer, the author. I'm Rick Tittle. we got three hours. Come on back.
0: Are
4: you kidding me? Gas prices are up again?
0: Somebody
5: has to do something. Well, someone
6: did. That's why I use Upside. Upside?
5: What's that?
7: card. Upside users have already earned over $200 million. Now it's your turn. Download the free Upside app and get cash back on every gallon of gas. Use promo code GAS11 for an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's code GAS11. Use code GAS11 for an extra 25 cents per gallon back in your first fill up. Cash back's not available in gas in New Jersey Wisconsin.
2: ho 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 what is going on Rick Tittle with you um yeah somebody said there was a sports producer named Tim Brown there was back in the day I used to work with him I think he got fired every other night and then he kept getting rehiring kept getting rehired our night host one time he he had fired him the night host had fired him like three times and he kept getting rehired and um I'll never forget when he came to our, quote unquote, night host. And and the guy says, uh, I don't want to do it. No, forget it. Just forget it. And Tim Brown goes, why do you have to be so pigheaded about this? You're fired. <laughs> he just, <laughs> I think that was my favorite line. Why do you have to be so pigheaded about this? <clears throat> yeah, the night host. It's not really the approach. <laughs> That you want to have, bless his heart. <clears throat> All 800 1-800, 1-800-87A-PLAY. Um, <clears throat> just as an aside, somebody asked me the other day uh, if I ever yelled at anybody that I worked with <clears throat> and outside of a maybe like, where is it or whatever, the only time I ever like really yelled at somebody was one time. One time, now my friend Derek said, the first day I worked with you, you told me I made a bad edit. And I said, I don't remember. And he goes, and it was a bad edit. I go, so I was right? He's like, yeah, but you kind of came in hot. I'm like, but it was a bad edit. He goes, it was a horrible edit. I go, well, it's not really me coming in hot. Did I yell at you? And you go, you went, no, you said, that's not a professional edit, that was bad. And, he's, and then I said, okay. I'll, I'll, I'm I'm not ashamed of my behavior. If that's <laughs> if that's why I don't remember because I've done ten thousand shows, but now I got to finish this story. So at ninety five seven FM for years and years longer than almost anybody would last. That's what I tell myself. Uh, parts of nine seasons I did Oakland A's pre and post, and we had a thing, um, where we would uh, play the drive of the game. And uh, I would pick it. The drive of the game is brought to you by Dolan Lumber Doors and Windows, you know, whatever it was. And so we had this guy on the other side of the glass who was kind of new, and he had messed up a few times, and I'd always say, hey, you know, we're all on the same team here, um, but I'm the one who's going to look bad. No one knows who you are, so let's just all, you know, I'm rooting for you, you're rooting for me, let's just get this done. He's like, fine. So... I saw him there, and I said, okay, the, this is the drive of the game. You got the highlight? He's like, let me see the number. It's in the, the system here. Okay, I got it. All right. So when I say, he goes like, no, 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 I know, I know. I've done it before. I go, I know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause, and I'm going to say, today's drive of the game is brought to you by blah, blah, blah. I'm going to wait a beat, and then I'm going to point at you. He's like, okay, I got it. I said, okay. <laughs> this is like my eighth year in doing this. And I'm in the studio. I'm not at the Coliseum. It was an away game. And so I start the show and I see that he has turned around and he's talking to three other guys. So he's not paying attention to me at all. And I'm like, that's okay. I'll live with it. He has one thing to do. So I'm getting closer and closer and closer. Today's drive of the game is brought to you by blah, blah. And I pointed at him. He's still talking, it's dead air. And then one of the guys he's talking to sees the look on my face and he points at me and then the guy turns around and I said, It's all right, we don't have today's drive of the game, but well, let's go over the starting pitcher for the Mariners today and then the highlight starts. I'm like, jeez oh, always. And so after the show I went over and with the other three guys stand there, I went, You had one job. One effing job. And you know what? It was too much for you. You couldn't effing handle it, could you? It was too much. You couldn't handle it. The guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. So, yes. Did I ever yell at somebody? I did. <laughs> so, has the show started yet? We're on the air, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> because there's, I, I learned as a football coach in high school for three years and not for myself, but just from playing so much, that if you yell nonstop, people just tune you out. They don't listen to anything you say. And I remember the one time I got mad when I was coaching. The only time I threw my whistle down in the mud was we were almost through the end of the season, and the cornerback was on the wrong part of the field. And I said, what are your responsibilities on this play? And I wanted him to say, uh, I have deep third, and I also have contain and instead he said block and i said block you're a cornerback and you think you block all right let's go to chris who is in oakland what's going on chris
9: hey rick thanks take forgot i love stories about rick uh, tittle big leaguing uh, you know guys that work on the show that's that. not that's good stuff big leaguing hold on big
2: like- leaguing is when you ignore somebody
9: ah uh, but Kind of calling him out too as big league in my opinion, but I was never a big leaguer man, so I, I get it um, i actually when I got elected to the school board, I actually tried to big league somebody at the parking lot coliseum and uh, the Coliseum the parking lot, and I felt like such a d bag for doing it, I was so stupid, so I get it man i just i right. Uh, I forgive you I cried but, all
8: right. <laughs>
9: thank you thank you father Rick um, hey, so uh, a couple things, so first yeah thank yeah nice nice uh, story about uh, again i 'm going to say big league against somebody. But, I, so I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about how people, and it's Twitter and who knows what's saying, but how people are saying that the A's kind of movement, which has risen, which is fantastic, the right field guys have guys really got it going, is um, almost to the, akin to the Cleveland Browns when Modell, you know, ran the team out of uh, Cleveland. So, to, I want to say a couple things. So, uh, number one, Oakland has gotten two teams from other cities, right? So Kansas City, Philadelphia for the A's, and Philadelphia for the Warriors, but... Both those cities got teams after the 76ers. They had the Phillies there, and then, you know, they got the Royals. The next year, the A's left. So it's not like, you know, I mean, again, we took their cities teams, but they got replacement teams. We're not getting replacement teams, so that's number one. Number two, people are saying that, you know, they, you know obviously the Raiders moved to Vegas, hit all of us hard in Oakland, but I, in my opinion, the Raiders were more of a national team because they were so good in the 70s, although they only won one Super Bowl. Um, and people blame John Madden or blame whomever, but they had such great characters, they were tough, and so while people were upset, especially in the East Bay, were upset the Raiders moved, and are still upset, and guys like me, Charlie, and I hear you out there in New York, brother, but you know, guys like me are not rooting for the Raiders anymore, but it wasn't as much of a sting because they're more of a national team, and, you know, Vegas, uh, I
2: couldn't, football, couldn't disagree more. Okay. Couldn't disagree that? more. Well, first of all, the Raiders are the only team born and raised in Oakland. Uh, of course. And uh, I hate the term Raider Nation. You're you're a Raider fan because you're from the East Bay, you know. And people are all around the country who are Raider fans. I love them. Charlie's number one, but they're not sure. a they're not a national team. They're as they're more Oakland than the A's and Warriors will ever be.
9: I, I agree with that point, but I okay. All right, just keep going. All right,
2: yeah. All right. By the way. Hold. I don't want to cut you off, Chris. You have something to say. Can you wait through a break? Of course. Let's just take the break now. We'll come back and we'll have Chris right here on Sportsline. And if you want to chime in, it's 1-800-878-PLAY.
12: Move your things the right way. Call Colonial Van Lines now for a free
0: quote. Call now to learn more about this special $250 long-distance move discount. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. 800-847-0225. That's 800-847-0225.
12: President Biden recently released a massive $6 trillion budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? That's right, you, the American taxpayer. American citizens and business owners will be paying more taxes. That's a fact. Free phone call will show you how we can reduce your past tax bill and save you thousands guaranteed or you pay nothing call now
0: 800-949-0039 800-949-0039 that's 800-949-0039 paid for by the tax helpline
5: where did you get those clothes at the toilet store
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
2: All right, thank you for that. Uh, my man Chris held through the break cuz I didn't want to cut him off. Uh, go ahead, buddy.
11: So Rick, you know,
9: um so you know, the Raiders deal kind of happened really quickly in my perspective, right? And we were talking before the break that, you know, my take is that, you know, the Ace fans have, you know, because it's more drawn out, and because Oakland, the A's are not a you know a national team. I mean, nobody really hates the A's, right? You hate the Yankees. You hate the Cubs. You hate the Red Sox. You hate the Broncos. You hate the Cowboys. But nobody really hates the A's, right? Because, they're, you know, Oakland's a kind of hip place. We, the, everyone, you know, people that know kind of geography know that, you know, we're in the shadow of San Francisco. And so, in my perspective, and again, I kind of agree with people, that the fact that the A's fans have kind of developed this you know, sell the team, that kind of stuff. And what if they sold to a guy that, you know, moved him to Mars or something, right? So I'm not fully on board with that kind of, you know, the mantra, but the fact that, you know, hey, your your buddy um, Rob Manfred yesterday or the other day got, you know, booed in Seattle was fantastic. And so it's a smaller group of fans, but very vociferous and very trying to keep the teams in Oakland. Now, our new mayor, God bless her, you know, she's up for a $70,000 raise uh, tomorrow, which is, you know, what you make, Rick. Um, I mean, you make, you know, I know you make a lot of money um, doing your show. So the fact she's up, she's new, she's young, she doesn't, you know, God bless her. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan, but you know, she's trying. Um, you know, Jean Quan was the last mayor I really liked that really I thought had Oakland's um, sports teams in interest. The last mayor, you know, again, God bless her. She didn't really do anything, but and lost two of the teams on her watch. But uh, and this mayor is going to lose this team because she doesn't really know what she's doing either. But. um it's just, it's very frustrating, and so to see, I, I don't know. I just think that that when people say that you know Cleveland Browns when they moved, and that Oakland is similar to that, it's a very big groundswell of support. That's what I got, and you know if we can get the Nevada teachers to rise up and you know put a thing against the uh, the A's moving would be great. But again, I'm pessimistic and probably won't happen. So I'm just really upset. I'm not. I'm, I might watch All Star Game tonight. Rooker probably get in maybe an in eighth inning or something. Um, but, you know, it's just so irrelevant for the Warriors right now. Uh, but I like Peter Gammon. I don't know if you saw Peter Gammon's comments about how, you know, he blasted Fisher as well. So good stuff. You're getting, uh, like, you're so. getting
2: like me and my dad. You could just call them the Warriors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, look the, I have seen this happen three times now. And, yeah. you know, when I was in, a senior in high school, we had this thing called, first of all, the, the league said, no, you can't move to L.A., they did not get approval right. from the league so it was over so right. he took him to court and the mayor of san francisco retired joe alioto was the lawyer and you had people uh yes men like gene upshaw i can't believe any sure. Ra- raider fam would wear a gene Upshaw I'll jersey well sure. gene upshaw said you know oakland's terrible we need to move um yep uh, anyway so there was this thing called eminent domain and there was right. a huge and it didn't work <laughs> huge yeah huge groundswell of support uh outside of the the boycott night it's been pretty tepid with the a's the anyone who's relying on a teacher's union look it's done and dusted <laughs> they're they're gone they and it's yeah. ridiculous to hold out hope you know kate Upton's not going to the prom with you it's just not going to happen
9: oh damn I thought she was okay i know well for, <laughs> i I work for a company that um had a uh, uh a glass company in in uh was Justin Berlander was one of our clients, and I actually was gonna i mean, I don't want the FBI to come after me, but I was thinking, hey, let's put a bomb in here and blow you know it was during the you know early 2012s or whatever twenty fourteen after justin you know keep whooping our you know what so wait, um, wait, wait yeah, you, I never you, put a bomb in justin berlander's um um chandelier, but uh yeah, I wanted to but
2: yeah. a bomb in his I, chandelier I, I, and it,
9: and it, and it just sucks you know that the fact that we're gonna lose this team. And But I think that there is enough groundswell support to just keep fighting. And we're not getting, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to get an ma- uh, expansion team. You know, we're not. We should, but we're not going to get one. I mean, and, uh, you know, your buddy uh, Mr. Silver said they're going to expand the NBA, provide two more teams. You know, they'll probably get one to Vegas, um, but they're not going to, you know.
2: We we I'm have mad. brought the, oh, the, the A's uh, as, look, all we can do is try. That's why the reverse boycott was fun. It was just like, we know we can't do anything, but we just want to let everybody know that we care. But we have brought a pea shooter to a tank fight. You know, yeah. it's just it's yeah. it's not even a contest.
9: So tomorrow is the anniversary of uh, William of Orange uh, beating the Catholics in in Ireland, and you know they're gonna in Northern Ireland tomorrow. You're gonna see a bunch of you know Protestant folks run through their Catholic neighborhoods and cause a bunch of trouble. And just uh, you know, 1690. That's that's where you go, man. That's that's how rough it is out there. So anyway, I went to Belfast a couple weeks ago. Loved it. Great city. Um, but I'm Catholic, and see <laughs> the side of the line I'm on. So we'll see you then, Rick. Hey, thanks for listening to all my gibberish. Um, you know, let's see if Ricker, Rooker can get some uh, get a hit tonight. Let's not get the worst. Uh, let's not have the worst record, you know, in the history of baseball. And um, yeah, let's go,
2: Chris. Thanks for the call. That's Chris out there in Oakland. Um, dropping a William of Orange reference. I gotta say, who are you, Rick Tittle? That was uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was a uh, <clears throat> a Dutchman who had become. He's talking about the uh, the Battle of Boyne, which is celebrated by a lot of people in Ulster and Canada and Scotland uh, as well. Um, but anyway, uh, the whole thing about taking sides. And I was born and raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic high school and I went to a Catholic college. Um, but I just, I when religion has been the cause of untold pain and misery and death and to fight somebody, I mean, you look at the Muslims between Sunni and uh, Shiite and, you know, Muhammad did this. No, he didn't do that. Well, let's hate each other. You know, the, I, I have to give it up to the Protestants. They're Protestants. But if you put the emphasis on the other syllable, then it's not protestant, you're a Protestant. But, say, well, we believe this. Yeah, but this guy didn't do that. And the Mormons say, Jesus was in North America. You can think whatever you want, and guess what? You know who's right? Nobody. (laughs) We can't prove it. Maybe, when everybody's dead, maybe we'll find out, oh, they were right. But guess who's right right now? No one. And nowadays, <clears throat> when someone says, I'm a Christian, get ready for some hate, you know, get ready for some twisted stuff. If somebody comes in hot like that, I'm a Christian. Oof. I have a friend and her daughter <clears throat> is really active in her church and it's very sweet. And I think religion and moderation is a great thing and it can give you hope and, um, you know, and I do believe in God you can laugh at me if you want, but it's you, you, you don't have to. I don't care what you believe in, just like you probably shouldn't care what I believe in. But I think it's great <clears throat> for her. But she said she wanted to get her first tattoo and she wanted it to be a crucifix. And I'm like, don't do that. That's, that's aggro. It sort of like tells anyone who's not Christian, you know, like, I don't like you. I mean, that's the way I kind of are like, I have the answers. Now, there are some people like Derek Carr is very, um, A person of faith who I admire very much, and he's got a Christian tattoo on his wrist that's been there his whole career, and and that's good for him. By the way, Tim Tebow is having a hockey team in South Lake Tahoe, and that's cool outside of the fact that where are they going to fly out of? It's an hour and a half to sack if you go down 50 if you go to Reno, that's about an hour twisting through, like, Mount Rose. And then if you go to the Truckee Airport, that's about another hour and a half because you're going to have to come up the west side. No one knows Tahoe like me. I've, I've been up there my whole life, okay? We have a cabin there since 1966. I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be a cool place to have a team, but there's one-lane roads in and out. And I don't suppose it's going to get sold out. But I was just thinking about how the hell are they going to go play any other team? It's going to be a pain. But I digress. Uh, The Troubles in Northern Ireland. And then I, you know, it's just ridiculous. And then you think of, and that's mostly just saying you're part of the UK. And then meanwhile, south of the border there in Derry, you have, um, or as the English called, Londonderry. you have the Republic and here's this sovereign state era or Ireland. And then meanwhile, the other people are part of the UK and then you do have the red fist, you know, which is the loyalists and they're quite happy to be subjects of the King. Now it is finally a United Kingdom for the first time. Most of our lives, United Queendom, I guess they can't change the name of their (coughs) country all the time. And if everything, unless there are some horrifying tragedies, Uh, It's going to be United Kingdom for the next hundred years. There are a lot of male heirs that are all lined up (laughs) right now. Um, Anyway, one of the things I hate the most in soccer is what happens with the old firm. Now, firm means gang over there, but... In Glasgow, which is the only city that really matters when it comes to soccer. Now in Edinburgh, you have Hearts of Midlothian and you have Aberdeen and Dundee and Dunfermline and uh, Kilmarnock and uh, all these other great teams over there. Okay. I'm sorry if you're a fan of (coughs) Queen of South, but it's all about the Glaswegians. And that is at Ibrox, you have Rangers and at Parkhead, you have Celtic. And if you are Catholic, You have to root for Celtic, and if you're Protestant, you have to root for Rangers. And I remember seeing uh, when Rangers had Claudio Reyna and they had Brian Loudrip, I'm like, I like Rangers better. But what? Because I'm Catholic, I can't root for them? I mean, it's so stupid. These rules are so stupid. So um, a battle between Catholics and Protestants, you know what side I'm on? Neither why don't you find something real to fight about? Gosh, like is someone uh, peeing in your backyard? <laughs> Maybe that would be something worth fighting. Or I don't know. All right, uh, this show's going off the rails. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline.
13: This is Karen Lyle of Salesforce Talk, and we're here on Treasure Island in San Francisco. And I am with Breeze Carlisle, who is the Commodore of the Single Sailors Association, and she participated
14: with her powerboat in the Summer Sailstice this year. How did you like it? What did you do? we had the best time it was a gorgeous day and of course we're on a power boat and everybody else is on sailboats under power and we headed way out into the bay and then we caught up with the sailboat we were going to raft up with with eric and waved at him and then smoked him and went out into the bay where they made me practice power boating tell me about your power boat well i rent at the carefree boat club that sails out of i mean boats out of the oakland estuary And this was a Cobia 22. It's really ideal when you have a group of people that you want to enjoy and picnic on. It's really easy to get around Clipper Cove where the raft up was and the barbecue for summer sales just because, you know, I don't have a draft and a keel. (laughs) And I don't have to go run aground like so many people do over there. So after a while, we followed Eric on his Amanda boat from Island Yacht Club and we rafted up together in Clipper Cove and had some snacks and picnics and beverages. And then we took dinghies over to the shore and joined uh, Treasure Island Yacht Club for their barbecue.
13: That's great, and here we are in Treasure Island today for the PICYA Delegates Dinner. John Arndt of Latitude 38 is one of the sponsors of the Summer sales Assist that happens every year all around the world. People sign up and say, hey, this is what we're doing for sailing today or this time. So did you sign up on the website and kind of participate in that way or just go out and do something?
14: I think we signed up, um, t- That's a good question. I think we signed up on the website and then I sent it out to my members and then usually I have to call them and then they say yes and then we all join up and have fun and we do a lot with Treasure Island Yacht Club. They really like our organization and one of the things about the purpose of the sales that I think is really great and doesn't get stressed enough is that one of the ideas is that it's supposed to help provide people who don't get to get on boats very often to get out on the water. So it's supposed to be almost an introductory You know, let's, let's get out people, you know, and get them out into the marinas and out onto the water and, you know, having a boating good time. And then for those of us who are in yacht clubs, it helps us raise our membership, you know, great people. So, and then you're the Commodore this year. I was vice Commodore last year. So this is my first year as Commodore. So how does one join the single sailors association? Well, you can look at our website, singlesailors.org and can send us a message which will come to me <laughs> and i will contact you and talk to you about it it's a pretty simple process we do you know do interviews and make sure that we vetting people that really want to be boaters and not just be part of a club and not show up thank you so much and this is Karen Lowell from Salesforce talk
2: All right, you hear that music, you know it's time to go to salesporttalk.com. This is their segment. Co-hosting with me is uh, Karen Lyle. We didn't do it last week because it was our nation's birthday. The nation of Bulgaria. Karen, how you doing? Karen Lyle.
13: I I always thought we were in the United States, but uh, that's what it is.
2: Okay. All right, my bad. Um, We're going to bring in our guest now, and it is the Commodore of the Long Beach Yacht Club, established in 1929. Long Beach Yacht Club is recognized as the leading club in the international yachting community for its commitment to excellence in racing, innovation, and race management. I know that because that's the first sentence on their website. So we bring in John Bush, John. Welcome to the show. Tell us about how it went down for race week.
15: Yeah. Well, first of all, let me make it, mention that that I'm not the current Commodore. Uh, I was Commodore in 2010, but I've gone through that step. So I just wanted to reach out and let, let all the uh, the people online here and on the radio know that uh, I'm not the current Commodore. That's Blair cardi but she's doing a fantastic job. And let's get into uh, race week. So. Long Beach Race Week, uh, we've been putting that on for about 18 years, and I've been one of the co-chairs of Race Week for that time. Uh, we share the efforts with a great sailing club across the bay, uh, Alameda's Bay Yacht Club. You guys may have heard of them. Um, but they're a, a really great sailing club. They do a lot of work with the dinghy program, as a matter of fact. We're kind of the two clubs are getting geared up for the Olympics that will happen here in 2028. Um, I know ABYC's got a, a great venue with regards to the yard and able to put boats in the water quickly. We're more of a cue boat yacht club. They're more of a dinghy club. So that's kind of how we got together with our race, man- race management efforts, and we had a really fun uh, race week this last year.
2: So when you lose the Commodore ship, that's just sort of like a yearly thing, or do they, like, rip off your insignia and bust you down to chief petty officer?
15: um yes and no so the first year you're a junior staff commodore and you don't have a parking spot you're out there with everybody else you don't <laughs> even get in the uh, staff commodore spot yet because technically technically you're not there so the following year you know two years later now you can park in the coveted staff commodore spot and um but you still it depends on what your passion is i mean if you're involved in yachting like like i am uh that's my passion and uh so so if i'm not Involved with running the club, I'm involved on committees. You know, race management committees, regatta management, yachting committees, and different things, and regatta management, so to speak. So that's that's where I I have a lot of fun with it. So,
13: well, and John, you have been Long Beach Race Week co-chairman since 2005. Um, how was this year's race in comparison to past years? And we'll skip the ones that were during the pan- that were not during the pandemic.
15: Yeah, okay, well, thanks thanks for that. Well, we've noticed uh, we're we're one of the bigger uh, events on the West Coast. Um, I I would say Southern California. You uh, you guys all know about Big Boat Series in San Francisco. Uh, That's a fantastic regatta, great venue up there, a lot of breeze and so forth. And down here we have really three regattas. We have uh, Yachting Cup, which is out of San Diego, San Diego Yacht Club. You have Cal Race Week out of Cal Yacht Club, Upper Marine Del Rey. Then you have Long Beach Race Week. So in the years past, we would have uh, classes of boats. We had almost, uh, I think I was getting, looking the other day, and we had up to, Beach Race Week was about 125, 130 boats. We had it at, at the biggest time, which was probably about six or seven years ago. And I've noticed a little bit of a trend that some of these classes that we have now, they don't like to travel north from San Diego or travel south from San Francisco or, or Cal Yacht Club to Long Beach. We're kind of a... Of a central spot here um, one of the nice things about uh, the long beach race week is that you consistently have really good breeze sunny weather good breeze typically this last year we had pressure up to about 22 knots up and up by point Fermin, where we send a random leg group up so that was kind of fun for those guys but you know with our one design and our phrf and our random leg sailing it's it's three days of a lot of fun great uh, on the on the water activity as well as on the shore great parties over at ABYC and also at Long Beach Yacht Club. So it's a lot of fun to get back with your, your mates that you haven't seen for a while, especially now coming out of the pandemic, which is actually pretty nice to to, to get together again with the camaraderie of the people. It's really a good time for, for the event. So.
2: My uh, dad, when he was in the Navy, was stationed in uh, Long Beach in the 50s. And I know I've gone from San Pedro out to Avalon on uh, Catalina, and my, just a great maritime history in Long Beach. How often and how, uh, and I know it's not an easy, John, it takes a little bit, but how often are you called to Catalina?
15: Well, as a matter of fact, we actually have a regatta that we host here at Long Beach Yacht Club, which is called the Catalina Island Series, and it's about 10 races, and, uh, which over five weekends. And you start off on a Saturday and you race over to uh, either the Isthmus or you go to Long Point or Emerald or one of those spots day of the night, you know, and then uh, race back the next day. So that happens a lot. But, you know, Catalina is only 26 miles away. And it's just a fun getaway. And a lot of times, you know, during June and April, May and June, you got the June gloom and and and, um, you know, you get over to Catalina and it's just that. Fog just kind of goes away in that marine layer, and you have a really quiet, nice, uh, sunny day. And it's really it's really a cool spot. I enjoy it over there.
13: John, you've had about 20 years of racing experience yourself on crewing and, and being on boats. I assume some of those were boats of yours. What do you find is the most exciting position in racing on a match racing boat.
15: Um, yeah, so it's, I've been racing for about forty years. So thanks for saying it's only twenty because that made me younger. But but um, <laughs> so you know you start out as a kid. And most most people that have the passion for sailing start out when they're young, either in their in a sabbat or the small boat to go through the junior sailing program. When I was a kid, I was a member of uh, parents were members of San Diego Yacht Club. My dad owned a Cal twenty five at the time. And, um, we kind of gravitate through, through different boats. And I moved away from the Sabbath program to be more of crew for my dad. Um, we, we, I have two brothers. Uh, one is not much of a sailor. The other one is. Matter of fact, my brother Chris just won, uh, overall transpact on Westerly, the 52, uh, that just finished up here a few days ago. So we, our history of family goes way back. I have a brother-in-law that sails on Piwacket. So we are very competitive. Uh, family when it comes to sailing, but for me, you know, you start off in the foredeck and you get yourself wet up there. Then eventually, you get a little bit older and you move your way back. And now you're trimming or you're working back towards navigator, you know, helmsperson or what have you. And then as you get a little bit older, like I am now, I'm kind of knocking on 65. So now you kind of say, you know what, it's kind of hurting to pull all the rope all the time and the match racing all the games. So now you get involved with more race management, you know, and that's kind of where I find myself now. Race management and race officiating, like umpiring, judging, uh, race officer on the water, that type of work. But I still get out in the boat and still love match racing. that's a to me, that's one of the purest forms of of racing is match racing because it's mono and mono, and it's just a lot of fun. You know how you stand after twenty minutes of racing.
2: also, when I think about Catalina, most people go to Avalon and it's fun with all the little golf carts and stuff and but two harbors, which is a little bit more north. I think it has, like, one restaurant, and it's more for campers, but I've never been there. Can you tell me about Two Harbors?
15: Yeah, Two, ho- two Harbors is more of a boat, a boat owner's paradise. I mean, you, you head over there in whatever size boat you have, enough to, to sleep people, obviously. And then, because there's, there's uh, I think there's one hotel on the island. Um, it's name's escaping me right now, but, but uh, you're right. There's one restaurant, and uh, you basically, you, you take, go over in your boat, and you pull up a mooring can. Uh, and you just tie up and just relax, and you have your dinghy, and you head on in and do a little walkabout if you want, uh, or you can stay on your boat and and enjoy that. But it's really nice, quiet. It's like it's camping on the water is what it is. Avalon, on the other hand, that's just a that's a show. I mean, you have a cattle boat that comes in, and and you have all kinds of things to do, all kinds of restaurants, golf carts. You ride right, and play golf. You can do all kinds of things. But cattle, uh, at, uh, this mess is way, way, way much of a more laid-back environment, more of a boater's environment, which is what I really enjoy.
13: Uh, I was a member of the Los Angeles Yacht Club for many years, and they have Howland's uh, landing and the Moorings over there on Catalina. And a lot of traditions about flag protocols, where every owner has their private signal, and if the signal is in a certain position uh, on the boat, you know it's not time to take your dinghy over to the boat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or you know it's time to take your dinghy over to the boat. How how does Long Beach Yacht Club um, do? You have flag protocols too, to and, and interchange signals with the Navy and such.
15: Um, I think what you're referring to in the flag protocol is really more about if you if you have kids, right, and say Mom and Dad go over there with the family, and you're out in your boat, and then it's like, all right, kids, look, if this flag's up in the air, you can go find something else to do, right? Well, that that <laughs> does happen because I've been going to Catalina since I was ten on, on my dad's various boats, and we've had uh, we have a family of five kids, so we definitely know what that flag protocol is all about. Um But I don't think we, you know, that's more of a personal thing with with boaters. I'm not sure. There's nothing that's standard other than if you have your Long Beach burgee hanging upside down, you're buying around the drinks for you know the people that see it. Other than that, there really isn't much of a flag protocol that we have.
2: Do you have any – are you all sort of a fraternity or a sorority with other yacht clubs, or do you have some rival yacht clubs that you don't really like?
15: No, that's one thing about the boaters' world, especially in the yacht racing piece, is that, you know, yeah, you get competitive on the water, but after you're done with that, you know, you all have the same passion for racing or just cruising or what have you. So it's really nice. Um, most of the yacht clubs will have a reciprocity where – like we'll have a group from San Diego that'll come up and use our long dock for a while for what they, you know uh, a little staycation for them and then they move on to a different club and we do that up and down the coast so it's that's what's really fun about the boating side of the, of the world is that you all have that common interest which is boating and that what I worry about with yacht clubs nowadays going forward is that depending on the amenities you have at the yacht club like a pool or tennis court some other things you have you know you obviously need to you know you need dues to keep the club going but. Uh, I worry that we start seeing um, that become more prevalent, uh, just putting people in butts and chairs, so to speak, uh, and that yachting interest is kind of going by the wayside. And that's where I get a little concerned going we get, forward.
2: We got time for one more question, Karen.
15: Go ahead.
13: So the, you have the Yachting Reciprocal Organization. I think it's. Um, um, it's, it's equivalent to our PICYA up here in Northern California. What, uh, what, what was the name of that organization that all the yacht clubs send delegates to down there?
15: Oh, that, uh, I, I forget the acronym, but yeah, I mean, Is it, we're, it's worldwide. That's what you're talking about?
13: Right, I think it's Southern California uh, Yachting Association or something oh, like that. Mean,
15: okay, so, yeah, we have a couple. We have the FCYA, Southern California Yachting Association. And we also have another close group, the ASPBYC, which is association um, of um, San Pedro Bay Yacht Clubs, you know, which is around here. Um, so it's a, we have regattas where we involve those local groups. STYA puts on the Midwinners, which is actually up and down the coast. Um, each yacht club kind of hosts a, a different fleet or a couple different fleets. But, yeah, no, that's a lot of fun. And, and that helps keep uh, keep our sport healthy.
2: There he is John Butch. Young Long Beach, I almost said the John Beach Yacht Club. It kind of is, but it's the Long Beach Yacht Club. <laughs> Thanks for coming on com and Sports Byline today. Hey, you got it. Thank, Thank you, you
15: very John. much. Uh, Bruce Cooper, Almond Sales, Race Week. We really appreciate all your help. Thank you very much, and talk to you later. All
2: right, it's our pleasure. And, Karen, good to talk to you again.
13: Good to talk to you, Rick. We'll see you next
15: week.
2: All Sal- righty, then. Dot com. Sounds good. salesporttalk.com lines are open 1-800-878-PLAY come on back
0: That's 800 392
16: 7027. Limitations and exclusions apply. First month free with purchase of single plan. Visit choicehomewarranty.com for more details.
10: Oh, come now. Don't be ashamed.
9: We all have our idiosyncrasies.
11: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
2: All right, a couple minutes left in hour number one of two. Hour two is wide open for calls. One 878 play. Tim Brown, the Dow of the backup catcher, will join us at eleven forty. Khalil Average before that. He's in a movie called The Crusader, and then pro wagering. We think at eleven twelve, <coughs> customary time slot. So I went to Catalina one time, um, it was about, I don't know, eight years ago, and you park your car in San Pedro, and yes, they don't say San Pedro, but they, (laughs) you park your car in San Pedro, and um, it's in a place where they watch over it, but then you take a yacht, and it's it's a long haul. You don't see the California coast anymore, and you also don't see Catalina when you're in the middle, so you you feel like you're out in the ocean and you are, but seeing whales pop out of the water, they always like to say whale breaching. You see whales, you see the dolphins coming along. I also saw an Osprey, not the bird, but the military vehicle that has the, um, it's one of those VTOLs vertical takeoff and landing like a Harrier, but it's more like kind of like giant copter, but it's got these two fans on the side and then they turn 45 degrees. But on the Island, it's, there are some cars, but it's mostly golf carts, and it's super dinky, but it's also cool, and they got some good restaurants. The thing is, there's not a lot of hotel rooms there, so it's basically a Motel 6 for $300, but it is fun to do one time, maybe two times. And, of course, the Catalina Wine Mixer and Boats and hose. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
7: USA News. I'm John Schaefer. President Biden will meet Ukrainian President Zelensky at the NATO summit to discuss Russia's war in Ukraine. Ending that war is a priority for NATO leaders. Zelensky taking to Twitter to express his frustration, stating that there seems to be no readiness to invite Ukraine to NATO or make it a member. A bipartisan group of senators is in Lithuania to attend the NATO summit focused on Russia's war in Ukraine, among them Senator Dick Durbin.
8: The NATO alliance is bigger, stronger and more unified than ever.
7: Durbin said Russia's invasion of Ukraine has revitalized NATO's efforts to protect democratic nations. 11 million people in New England remain under flood watches after a summer's worth of rain has fallen in parts of the Northeast in just a few days.
17: We're seeing states
18: of emergency having been declared in parts of a number of states, including New York, Connecticut and Vermont, where we saw unrelenting rain play
19: out overnight.
7: NBC News Emily Aikida says another 42 million Americans are under heat warnings this week. The extreme temperatures are hitting states like California, Arizona, Texas and Florida students who struggled with school during the covid pandemic are still struggling now to keep up with their coursework a study from the nonprofit academic group nwea examined data from nearly seven million public school students from grades three through eight according to the study achievement gains during 2022-23 fell short of pre-pandemic trends which stalled progress toward pandemic recovery the study suggests students need more class time to catch up And for the first time in two decades, cases of locally transmitted malaria are being detected in the United States. Six cases of the mosquito-borne infection have recently been confirmed in Florida. Another case has been confirmed in Texas. Experts say none of them were related to international travel.
4: This is USA News. Hey, this is Brand along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for MediShare? And Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brent, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people.
19: That's what I tell people my experience has been, MetaShare has been, fantastic for me yeah it's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways honestly yeah
4: and see a lot of people who switch tell me that it's the same reaction they're very very happy with it and it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money i would tell people look into it yep Uh, so really for reals uh if you want to talk to them they're great to talk to i think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it so Um, You do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. Okay.
10: Call now.
19: 855-BIBLE-11. That's 855-BIBLE-11.
10: 855-BIBLE-11. Nice job. Thanks.
7: The Marine Corps is without a leader for the first time in over 160 years. Commandant General David Berger officially retired Monday, leaving his assistant commandant as acting leader until he's confirmed in the Senate. But Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville has a hold on Pentagon nominees over its abortion policies. They provide paid leave and reimbursement costs for service members who cross state lines to get the procedure. Tuberville says it violates a law prohibiting federal funds from paying for abortions. PGA Tour officials will answer senator's questions Tuesday on the agreement between the PGA and Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund to create one global golf league. Aaron Real reports.
19: The PGA Live Golf merger, a pact between bitter enemies that shock the golf world, will come under scrutiny today on Capitol Hill as Senator Richard Blumenthal and Ron Johnson called a hearing to investigate a final deal between the two sides. The merger will also be investigated by the Justice Department, which was already investigating the PGA Tour and other power golf bodies for potential anti-competitive behavior. Lawmakers have the ability to make life difficult for the tour, going after its tax-exempt status, and will probe live about whether its work constitutes that of a foreign agent. The Saudi-backed Live Golf Tournament persuaded many of the golf world's top players with hundreds of millions of dollars to participate in their league. It's July 11th, also known as Free
7: 7-Eleven Slurpee Day. To celebrate the convenience store chain's 96th birthday, anyone who stops
20: by can get a free small Slurpee. I'm John Schaefer. USA News.
21: Right now.
0: Paid for by Steel Man Pills. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. 800 965 1295. That's 800 965 1295.
18: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so
12: fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T
17: in the hizzle for shizzle biznatch.
2: Welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle with you one 878 play. Free and clear of guests. You be my be my guest, be my guest. Angela Lansbury, Jerry Ormon, dancing candlesticks, and a clock. You know, I was going over the Northwestern <coughs> hazing scandal, this Camp Kenosha thing they called it. And originally, the head coach has been there for like 18 years. He's a lifer, played there. Um, that he got suspended for two weeks. Not that he did anything, but it was his failure to know or prevent it. And then I told the story about how when I went as a frat that I put up with all the hazing. And when I was a college football player, I put up with all the hazing. We didn't do it so much on lacrosse. But I said the one thing I didn't put up was when I got dry humped by a couple of freaks. And I'm sorry. If you're dry humping on it, it has nothing to do with sexuality or orientation or anything. But if you're dry humping on some dude to, uh, that's that's called uh, severe <laughs> I can imagine the psychological damage that could do on some people and then the next day I found out that's what it was was that they were doing that to freshmen who jumped off sides or did something weird and 11 players said that it happened to them and so now he's fired he is fired do you know how much they're going to eat on that unless they want to take him to court? They're going to eat How much do you think they're going to eat on his contract? 40 million. I should have stayed coaching and been a college football coach. Because 40 million, but there was also I mean, look, he did suck last year. <laughs> they went 1 and 11. And the year before that, they went 3 and 9. So they just said the head coach is ultimately responsible for the culture of the team. Hazing was widespread. Didn't do anything about it. By the way, Big Ten media days in two weeks. You know, there's a, they're supposed to build an $800 million new stadium. Is that going to happen now? But anyway, yeah, you're fired. And that's um, yeah, too bad. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
12: It's a free consultation, so call right now. Find out how much time and money it takes to finally get that book idea of yours published. Make your dreams happen. Call Doran's Publishing right now.
0: 800-485-6003. 800-485-6003. 485 6003 That's 800-485-6003.
22: Has someone in your family lost a job recently?
0: That's 800-788-1495. Hour 2 of titillating Sports. You
8: thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes hour two of titillating sports. Hey, check
10: out Channel 9. Check out Rick Tittle.
2: Check me out, baby. Come on back. Get on in. Breaker Breaker 1-9. We got Smokey the Bear with them brown paper bags with a 1-800-878-PLAY. That's the number to call y'all. 1-800-878-7529. Get in and get heard. Speaking of coaches being fired... Sometimes you have a coach who's like, all right, my bad, I quit. And that's what happened with Bob Huggins. Because, first of all, Bob Huggins had a thing where he was on the radio. He was talking about them Catholics over there at Xavier University in Cincinnati. And he called them a uh, homophobic term which rhymes with bag you might remember that well and I remember on this show it wasn't that long ago I was saying what's gonna happen in West Virginia because just about anywhere else in the country he'd be fired instantly and he was suspended well then he got a DUI and he said all right I resign I'm humiliated Well, now he says, I don't want to go. What? He put out a letter yesterday saying that West Virginia University did not handle the situation appropriately. And he wrote, I have a strong desire to continue my career at WVU. And so West Virginia's general counsel responded with a definitive letter of rebuttal to Huggins' lawyer. It's a bizarre saga. (laughs) There was, uh, he went out and got this big shot lawyer from Ohio. You know he's good if he's from Ohio, the only state that's round on both ends and high in the middle. And uh, the letter to the president of West Virginia University, E. Gordon G. That's right. Some of these names, I mean, what would you say would be the name of a Texas governor? Because in the 70s, My friend said that her mom in Austin worked for the governor of Texas. His name was J.J. Pickle. I'm like, of course it was. You have to be governor of Texas if your name is J.J. Pickle. But anyway, this lawyer sent a letter saying reinstate him. He's going to go to rehab for alcohol abuse, and then you have to reinstate him. Otherwise, we're going to sue you. And you think about the disastrous fall for a guy who's 69 years old, who is the active leader in D1 Wins and who's already in the Hall of Fame. And this just makes this more of a spectacle. By the way, when he was arrested for drunk driving, one of his tires was shredded and he was a .210 alcohol level. And so Huggins wrote a letter and publicized it. He said... The press has now seen the letter sent by my counsel setting forth my position that I never resigned from my employment as head basketball coach for West Virginia University. My attorney will address the legal issues relating to my purported resignation. I want to respond to WVU's statements and set the record straight on the past two weeks. Initially, let me say that I am truly sorry for the mistake I made in Pittsburgh. I have taken responsibility for the mistake, and I have taken a course to verify that such a mistake will not occur in the future. I voluntarily checked into a world-class rehabilitation center, and I intend to remain in the center until I am cleared to return to my active coaching duties. Due to my focus on the rehabilitation, I have not been in the media or responding to WVU's statements regarding the incident. I now understand that WVU published a statement purportedly written by me at 10.30 p.m. on June 17, 2023, the WV statement provides, today I have submitted a letter to President Gordon G and Vice President of Director of Athletics, Ren Baker, informing them of my resignation and intention to resign <clears throat> as men's head men's basketball coach at Western University, effective immediately. Well, I did not draft or review that statement. This false statement was sent under my name, but no signature is included. In addition, the false unsigned statement was accompanied by a joint statement from the president and athletics director that clearly implied that they had received this purported re- letter of resignation from me. They said, quote, Coach Huggins informed us of his intent to retire and has submitted his letter of resignation, and we have accepted it in light of the recent events. We support his division so he can focus on his family. I'm almost done here. <clears throat> Huggins then said, I am employed by WVU pursuant to an employment agreement. I never submitted the notice required under the employment agreement voluntarily, to voluntarily resign. Technicality here. I let W V know that I was seeking rehabilitation. However, WVU was not willing to speak with me about the Pittsburgh event nor to provide me with time to obtain my counsel to review my employment agreement. I met with my players on June 17th and let them know the truth that I didn't know what would happen to me. And I didn't know if I was even going to be their coach. I was hoping that I would be replaced by a coach that I recommended to WVU. Most importantly, whether I was staying or not, I was encouraging the players to stay at WVU. My players come first, and they needed to hear my support for WVU directly from me. And he concludes, quote, Now that I have obtained counsel to review the employment agreement, and have not seen WV and have seen WV's comments about my current status, it is clear that WVU did not handle the situation appropriately. More importantly, the basketball program is in need, and I have a strong desire to conclude my career as the head basketball coach for the program that I love. I hope to meet with WVU in the near future to resolve this situation. Quote. Well, he has zero chance of getting hired back because that would castrate that college forever. He is not going to bully his way back in. The technicality, and this is why you hire lawyers, the loophole is, well, you don't quit until you go through these steps. You're not officially out of your employment unless you sign this and send it to that guy or this lady, and then then you're out. You can't just up and quit, or you haven't really quit, and you never signed it. So that wasn't from you. Somebody else made up a letter of resignation for you. So I think he is dumb enough to think that they might let him back. (laughs) He's just ridiculous. And then someone said, well, that was sent through my wife's email. Well, did your wife make it up? He's not saying that as well. But the university said, there is no support in the law or on these facts to suggest that Mr. Huggins may now ignore his resignation and his actions upon which all have relied, undo his voluntary separation and return to work as if none of this occurred. So this public PR battle and the threat of legal action has a calamitous end Is it really a calamity? But his basketball career, I mean, the fact that West Virginia can fire anybody they want with cause, and with cause means we don't have to pay you. So I think what he's looking for here is to get his job back because he has nothing else, but the lawyer knows that's not going to happen, and the lawyer wants a big payday. You want us to go away? $10 million. I don't know what it is. But it is pretty amazing that the guy can get a DUI and resign, and then someone's like, You know, you didn't really resign. Why not? You never signed the thing. I didn't? Nah, dude, they have to give you your job back or we can sue. They can? This happens all the time. I, I thought I quit. No, you didn't really quit, did you? I guess I didn't. I want my job back and I want money.
0: 800-754-4531. 800-754-4531 That's 800-754-4531
17: If you're struggling to keep up with conversations, avoiding restaurants because you can't understand the waiter, if you've got the TV volume way way up, then you really need these. These tiny but powerful little hearing aids are the Nano CIC rechargeable. Here's the number. Call now.
0: 800 278 1738. 800 278 1738. 800 278 1738. That's 800 278 1738.
11: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
2: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Uh, April, watching on Twitch, saw me uh, use the Glade. Yes, the air freshener, and that's because, I don't know what the hell happened in here last night, but I think it was a convention of body odor. Yeah, there's some BO. Remember that Seinfeld where... The mechanic worked on his car, and he couldn't get the B.O. out of his car. And believe me, we've had some people sleep in here, squatters, weed, cigarettes. But man, B.O. will uh, stick with you. All right, so Bob Huggins doubles down on his thing. Um, Another headline you may have seen, which I thought was interesting, was about um, Xavier Bobadar. And it's like, uh, wasn't that the person that Pontius Pilate gave the crowd instead of Jesus? And they go, no, that was Barabbas. That was Anthony Quinn. Like, oh, who's Xavier Bobadar? And by the way, you're also not going to be a toll booth operator with that name. Do we have toll booth operators anymore? I don't think so. It's all electronic. But... <clears throat> Uh, Xavier Bobadar is a Chiefs fan, Kansas City Chiefs, that allegedly robbed a bank in uh, Oklahoma, in Tulsa. And he was arrested in the 916. That's right. It just says near Sacramento. So that could be Shingle Springs. That could be Rescue. That could be Cameron Park. That could be Rockland. That could be Granite Bay. That could be Orangevale. Let me name all 500 suburbs of Sacramento. Anyway, it doesn't say. It's sort of like when I'm in El Cerrito and there's an earthquake under my house, the epicenter, and they say, five miles north of Berkeley. There are two BART stations in El Cerrito. We're not that anonymous, are we? Golly. There's two BART stations, both called El Cerrito, too. It's not, doesn't say fruit veil. It's <laughs> anyway, so whatever town near Sacramento, people are like, no one, no one ever heard of that, but they've heard of sack. But, um, he was arrested one count of bank theft and one count of transporting stolen property across stained lines. Each one is a federal offense and each one carries up to 10 years in prison. And this was covered on ESPN. The district attorney of Tulsa County, Steve Kunzweiler, said, quote, I am thankful for the hard work of the FBI in finding and arresting Xavier Baboudar. What's better, John Starr or Xavier Baboudar? One of them. Anyway, as Tulsa County was the first jurisdiction to arrest and charge Baboudar in December 2022, it is the goal of my office to prosecute him in Tulsa County District Court, prior to a federal case. As a fugitive from justice from our, our jurisdiction after his bond was reduced over our objection, Bobadar posed an extreme risk to the public, and I'm grateful that no other citizen or law enforcement officer was subjected to the violence he demonstrated in Tulsa County, Oklahoma, end quote. Now, you might say, who cares? This is a true crime story, and it's not even that interesting, and he's a Chiefs fan, whatever. Half the people in prison are Raider fans. I mean, I can pretty much guarantee you that. Well, it's because he became one of those famous fans. It's sort of like if Rightfield Will got arrested for like the biggest Bernie Madoff white collar crime and they'd be like, A's super fan. <clears throat> now, Rightfield Will, who of course is my correspondent for the Arizona Fall League. Uh, Will McNeil, he would never do that. Will's a good guy. But he was one of those super fans. And by the way, there was, uh, the reason um, he was arrested before is because he robbed $70,000 from a bank in Clive, Ohio, or should I say outside of Des Moines.
15: (laughs) Des Moines is Iowa, not Ohio.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Iowa, sorry, Clive, Iowa. Did I say Ohio? I meant Iowa. All right. Thank you, Dom. But um, he was also <clears throat> on a show called Kansas City Crime Stoppers. I think my favorite story ever of cops, and this might have happened more than once, was that the lady upstairs in an apartment saw a cops episode. Or no, sorry, America's Most Wanted. And she called and she goes, that guy's downstairs right now. And the guy they went there to arrest him and they said he wasn't watching America's Most Wanted. He was watching Jerry Springer. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, he removed his own ankle monitor. I'll give him credit for that. I didn't even know you could do that without like, it's like a bear trap without chopping off your own leg uh, at that point. But uh, once he was on the run, he had a $1 million warrant. So did somebody turn him in and get the cash? I don't know. But the bank he robbed in Tulsa, Tulsa, it makes it even worse. It's not Bank of America, Bank of the West, Chase, Manhattan. It's (laughs) (laughs) It's the Tulsa Teachers Credit Union. Come on. That's messed up. In Bixby, Oklahoma, or should I say just outside of Tulsa. And so he came in with a mask and he was armed. And he, um, by the way, we found out on March 25th that they took off. He took off his ankle monitor. And so then his uh, parole officer went over there and they said he wasn't at his house. I can't believe it. He took off his ankle monitor and then he was not there. So this guy's been on the run for quite some time and he thought, what hell hole can I go to now? And he picked sack. It's kind of messed up, but, um, apparently he has robbed banks, not just in Iowa and Oklahoma, but also in Nebraska and Tennessee. And he's also suspected of robbing two banks in Minnesota. And then he would launder the proceeds through casinos. In other words, you th- it's not like he's betting. He's just put putting it all in on chips, pretends to gamble, and then takes the chips up to the window and gets unmarked stuff. See? Even I can figure that out. So he was his nickname was Chiefs Aholic and he posed for a lot of pictures. And in fact, um, I think, believe he was at the Super Bowl, and they're like, isn't this the guy who, and he had the mask on. He had the same wolf mask on that he used to rob the bank, So apparently he redeemed over a million dollars in chips at casinos in Missouri, Kansas, and uh, Illinois. But yeah, when you, (laughs) you know, you just think about our criminal justice system right now. You wear the exact same, not only did he have the uh, chief's mask, sorry, the wolf mask, can't have a chief's mask, it'd be canceled. A wolf mask. He had a full body gray, hairy wolf suit Then he had a chief's red tank top, and then he had a hat, chief's hat, and then on top of the chief's hat was a GoPro so that he could relive all his moments. But I always uh, love hearing the stories of morons who uh, mess up. Lincoln, Nebraska was the specific tiny town he chose to hide in. Wow, here, Lincoln, California, I should say. Lincoln, well, there's a big casino in Lincoln. Thunder Valley, is that what it's called? No, not Thunder Valley. Uh, Bill Burr just played there. I was thinking about going until it was $200 a ticket. Thunder Valley? I got it. Okay. Uh, Yeah, my buddy uh, just moved there. Um, He's an East Bay native like me. He moved there with his wife and his son. And I went up there, and they are just building houses nonstop up there. They call it white flight. I don't know what that means. But anyway, (laughs) and uh, he said, Woo, we don't miss the Bay Area at all. I'm like, okay. Uh, He goes, so disgusting, Bart, and walking the streets of San Francisco. Uh, It's so gross. And I'm like, yes. Anything else? (laughs) I'm like, you're right. I'm not going to say this. You could eat off the streets of San Francisco. It's so clean. Uh, now, I know what white flight means. <laughs> Bless Dominic's heart. You could be the guy who I yelled at who has his back turned to me. Dominic's so helping. I said, I don't know what white flight means just as a joke. And he goes, oh, that means when white people leave the urban areas. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I always like the term gentrification. Like there's the gentry. You know, there's uh, this used to be a uh, mom and pops deli, and now it's a Starbucks. It's so gentrified <laughs> because now you have Louis the Fourteenth drinking tea with his pinky out. Uh, anyway, so uh, Chief Saholic is uh, he was a jailbird there for a while. I still I don't understand the cojones you have to have to rob a bank. I would just assume I would get shot before I got out the door. Or I would assume I'd have to shoot a guard. Both of those things are not something I want to happen, but uh, people still do it. And um, yeah, crime doesn't pay because they won't find you in the Midwest. But Lincoln, California, we will crack down on your ass. We. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Violent. Who's watching? Tell me who's watching.
10: Who's
8: watching me? I have privacy. Like me, yeah. door...
18: This radio commercial was made to convince you to stop speeding. We can't use siren sound effects on the radio. So we'll use other equally jarring sound effects to get your attention. Like telling you that whether you drive a little over the speed limit or a lot, you can crash just the same. You could hurt yourself or worse, others. I'm at the scene of the collision. And the damage you cause will be beyond repair. See, we didn't have to use crash or siren sounds after all. Speeding catches up with you. Brought to you by Nitza.
0: don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 855-325-5647. 855-325-5647. 325 5647 That's 855-325-5647. Has your heater or air conditioner busted? Appliance broken? Computer crashed? Then you need an ARW home warranty. Home system and appliance repairs and replacements can cause stress and cost you thousands of dollars per year. With an A-plus BBB rating and a top-rated home warranty company on Consumer Affairs and Trust Pilot, ARW Home provides superior service, featuring the industry's lowest service call fee. Eight hundred eight six seven sixty nine seventeen.
11: Rick Tittle, you done broke my heart, but I still take you back. You hella fine.
2: Uh, one A Play, come on in and get heard. Um, April on Twitch wants to know if I am writing notes to Dominic. Uh, b- by the way, thank you for um, <laughs> thank you for watching on Twitch. Uh, now I am I am paying a parking ticket. <clears throat> I I parked on the street by a BART station and it said three-hour parking and I was there just over three hours. $96. Basically what I make in a week here at Sports Byline. $96. <clears throat> All right. I'm not complaining. Are you? You mad, bro? I never got you mad, bro. Um, we did have uh, the home run derby last night, and I turned it on uh, for a little bit. And if there's nobody on the A's there, it's it's a hard watch. And I turned it on for Mookie Betts, who I think had 12 home runs. Um, I would brag that I got Vlad Jr. right. I picked him on Friday to win it. And you just look at him and you're like, well, yeah, you picked him. Um our boy um uh JD Sharp picked Mookie Betts. Um <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> Just kidding, JD. <clears throat> Mookie Betts is a fantastic player, but I think he weighs 140 pounds. But um there was a definite display. Randy Arroz in the first round beat Adoles Garcia twenty four to seventeen. Luis Robert or Robert, however you want to say it, Roberto. Luis Robert defeated Adley Rushman twenty-eight to twenty-seven. Respectable. Vlad Jr. beat Mookie twenty-six to eleven. Sorry, I thought that was twelve. Uh, Julio Rodriguez then beat Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso hit twenty-one home runs. Julio Rodriguez hit forty-one home runs. Now it's a timer. Forty-one. Save some for the next round. He didn't because Vlad beat him by one, 21-20. And then Randy Rosarena, he upped his game. He hit 11 more the second time around. 35 to Ribera's 22. And then at the end, it got really close as Vlad Jr. beat Rosarena 25 to 23. And if you hit uh, four in 30 seconds and if you hit one 404 feet, there were, there were little ways to get extra time. But I, um, the only All-Star game I ever went to <clears throat> was in China Basin here. And it was a fun two days. The first day I went was the Home Run Derby and a guy named Vladimir Guerrero Sr. with no batting gloves and no hat. No helmet, no hat. He's like someone from out of the stands wearing a jersey. He walked to the plate and just unloaded and everyone's like, yep, Sabian said the lunatic fringe wanted him and uh, look what we could have had, blah, blah, blah. But they are the first ever father-son duo to win the home run derby, which is uh, pretty amazing. Um, I also saw as uh, Mookie Betts was hitting that there was a... Uh, reporter on the field that went over to his wife and he was like, Hey, he's doing this because of you. I think her name was Bianca. And she's like, yes. And she's holding a baby. You know, I told him this is the one thing that you haven't done. You have to do it. And then he's like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what? And he's like, so he needs to make up a lot here. And you know who the reporter was? It was my man, Alden Gonzalez. Might not mean anything to you. Alden was a guy who, for years, was my go-to guy with the Angels when I did pre- and post-. I must, I've must i probably interviewed him 50 times over the years for pre- and post-game stuff. And just if I ever needed anything Angels, I would text him. And he was such a good guy, and he was really good reporter. And um, I would say he had a good TV look, but that will get me in trouble again. Don't ever compliment people on their You're objectifying him. But anyway, I was really happy for him that he's now uh, an ESPN uh, television guy. Well, I don't know what his title is. But anyway, I just sort of feel like um, a very deserving guy. Vladimir Guerrero Sr. tweeted out, proud and love for my son. Congratulations, Va- Vlad Jr., so one misspelling and one grammatical uh mistake and that's excusable english is not his first language. But when Tommy Malone writes i'm glad to be a part of this team and he writes a p a r t I'm like that's actually the opposite of what it was. But still 41 home runs by Julio Rodriguez who's not having the best year but the previous record was 32 the record <laughs> is 41. And all Pete Alonso could do the polar bear at the end was just shake his hand and go, "Wow." Yeah. <clears throat> now, the the most for any round ever was Vlad Jr hit 40 in the second round 4 years ago. And he won by one home run in 2019 in that round by hitting 40 over Jock Peterson. I don't even remember him in a home run derby, um, but yes, uh, forty-one in three and a half minutes. But Randy Rosarena, who has a great name, and I had never seen that name before. Um, but and remember Nomar Garcia para it's like there's two names Garcia Parra and like and his father's name is Ramon, so they spelled it backwards. That's why he's Nomar. True story. Yeah, Um, what's Dominic spelled backwards? Sim Cinemod.
15: I've definitely done this before.
2: Cinemod. Yeah, mine's Kerr. Steve Kerr. (laughs) (laughs) Cinemod. Cinemod sounds like Hammurabi's successor. And then in the Tower of Babel, Cimarron directed his cavalry. All right, Uh, but a Rosarena, thirty-five in the second round. Uh, is pretty amazing as well. But this is the thing about just keeping it together. And I remember uh, Josh Hamilton, he had some ridiculous first round. I think he was probably the guy that had the record. Was I say 35, whatever. But there were, if you're counting, 341 home runs or balls hit over the fence. The longest was Larissa Barrett, 484 feet. The hardest hit, these are things that we didn't know in the past, but we do now, Pete Alonzo, 113 miles per hour. And so StatCast put together, and I'm going to mention it, all 341 home runs. How many miles, just for fun, Dominic, and I would not know this, how many miles of home runs were hit?
15: How, how many home runs were hit?
2: Uh, 341, and they're all going about 400 feet.
15: It would be like three miles?
2: Close. 26.3. Yikes. (laughs) If a train leaves Chicago going 20 miles per hour. No, I mean, that's a fair guess. I probably would have said the same thing. Uh, What are you going to do? But now we have a list of most home runs all time in the home run derby. Pete Alonso has 195. Does this matter? Not really then Vlad, then Julio Rodriguez, then Albert Pujols, and then a tie with Jock Peterson and Juan Soto. Todd Frazier, he won his in Cincinnati, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, the interesting thing about Todd Frazier for me, <clears throat> just as an aside, is when I was in spring training one time and I was in Glendale, Arizona, and I was in the stadium that is co-operated by the Dodgers and the White Sox, <clears throat> And I went into the clubhouse of the White Sox I wanted to sit down with Brett Laurie and uh, interview him because he had just been traded from the A's. And Jimmy Rollins is in there and um, uh, Edward Scissorhands, Chris Sale and uh, Drake, the kid. I'm leaving, you know, that whole thing. Um, so LaRoche. But I remember uh, Todd Fraser was talking to somebody, and I forgot what the topic was, and I'll just pick the topic of chicken wings because I want you to hear how he sounded. He'll just, I'll tell you what, chicken wings is tasty because if you put the sauce on the chicken wings, then the sauce and the chicken wing together forms a combination of a tasty snack. Yeah. Anyway, that's how he sounded. He's from Tom's River, New Jersey. And I was like, did that happen to him in the minor leagues? I know New Jersey is kinda close to the Carolinas. <laughs> and Virginia. Kinda. It was anyway, it sort of reminded me of a guy that I grew up with in the East Bay named Jeff. And he was always like,
8: Hi Ricky. Hey Ricky, do you want to play?
2: This was last week. I was like,
8: What's going on, Ricky?
2: I was Ricky till I was sixteen. Um, But I saw him, and he had become a construction worker. And I hadn't seen him for years. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, I'll work for local pile drivers, 222. I'm like, you you know you're from Richmond, right? What what happened with that? Uh, Also, Adley Rushman, as I said, you know, this is a guy – They said, Mr. Pacific Northwest. Why? Well, he was born and raised in Portland, and then he went to Corvallis to college. And uh, so he was the quote-unquote hometown guy. But that would be like saying that if I participated in it and everyone else was from the East Coast, Tittle's home stadium, West Coast guy. Do you know how much affinity I have for Seattle? (laughs) He's a West Coast guy. That's like saying someone in Atlanta and New York have something in common. But it looked like when you're watching it that Luis Robert was going to be the guy. I mean, he just stepped into the box. I don't even think he broke a sweat. I don't even know if he took a full swing. But yes, if if you're embarrassed for Mookie, don't be. Because I remember when they went by country and Jason Bay of Canada, Had zero home runs. This is back when you only got a few amount of pitches. Zero home runs. And Mark Teixeira represented the United States, and he had one home run. So definitely not on that list (laughs) of the most ever. Julio Rodriguez tweeted, Mariners fans, I know we didn't come out on top, but you guys made this experience at the Home Run Derby unbelievable. You guys are truly the best and thank you for always supporting me through it all. No place like home, and then a blue heart, and then fingers crossed. In other words, I don't really mean it. No, he means good luck. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a break. Come on back on Sports Who's
10: watching? Tell me who's watching? Who's watching me?
2: teams have four attempts to move the ball ten yards.
0: So if you see a graphic on your screen that says first and ten, that means it's the team's first
2: attempt to get ten yards.
11: Be crazy use a d-o-g and if you was my man i would have been kicked you out of my house by now this is what had happened
2: all right hour three coming up tim brown the author Khalil average and uh i think jd sharp we'll see the lineups are set for tonight the midsummer classic puck oberon bottom oh wait that's midsummer night's dream uh, Zach Gallen versus Garrett Cole in the bump. The American League. Marcus Simeon will lead off. Look at that. St. Mary's High School in Cal. Shohei Otani, will he's at second. Shohei Otani will DH in bat second. Arena in left. Third, Seager shortstop. Cleanup. Yanni Diaz, first base. Adolfo Garcia, right field. Austin Hayes, center field. Like, he's starting. Josh Young at third. And Jonah Heim at catcher. Former Stockton Port. In the National League, Ronald Acuna will lead off in right, Freddie Freeman second at first. Mookie Betts at third will be in center. Jaina Martinez will clean things up at designated hitter. Nolan Arenado will bat fifth on the hot corner. Luis Arias, second base uh, of the Marlins. Sean Murphy of the Braves, another Stockton part. Uh, Corbin Carroll is healthy enough to start. Good for him in left. And Orlando Arcia is the shortstop. And um, if you think about uh, Thompson with the Phillies, who is the NL manager, he said, we didn't know what to do, to tell you the truth. So Kevin Long, our hitting coach, and I got together, and we threw the lineup together. Any one of these guys, almost everyone's got close to a 900 OPS. You could hit anywhere in the lineup. So we just threw it together and see what we got. And we will also see what they got tonight in the All-star game, or as Mel Allen called it, the All-Star Game. I'm Rick Tuttle, we got another hour. Come on back on Sports Bilab.
7: USA News. I'm John Schaefer. President Biden will meet Ukrainian President Zelensky at the NATO summit to discuss Russia's war in Ukraine. Ending that war is a priority for NATO leaders. Zelensky taking to Twitter to express his frustration, stating that there seems to be no readiness to invite Ukraine to NATO or make it a member. A bipartisan group of senators is in Lithuania to attend the NATO summit focused on Russia's war in Ukraine, among them Senator Dick Durbin.
8: The NATO alliance is bigger, stronger and more unified than ever.
7: Durbin said Russia's invasion of Ukraine has revitalized NATO's efforts to protect democratic nations. 11 million people in New England remain under flood watches after a summer's worth of rain has fallen in parts of the Northeast in just a few days.
17: We're seeing states
18: of emergency having been declared in parts of a number of states, including New York, Connecticut and Vermont, where we saw unrelenting rain play
19: out overnight.
7: NBC News Emily Aikida says another 42 million Americans are under heat warnings this week. The extreme temperatures are hitting states like California, Arizona, Texas and Florida. Students who struggled with school during the COVID pandemic are still struggling now to keep up with their coursework. A study from the nonprofit academic group NWEA examined data from nearly 7 million public school students from grades three through eight. According to the study, achievement gains during 2022 23 fell short of pre pandemic trends, which stalled progress toward pandemic recovery. The study suggests students need more class time to catch up. And for the first time in two decades, cases of locally transmitted malaria are being detected in the United States. Six cases of the mosquito-borne infection have recently been confirmed in Florida. Another case has been confirmed in Texas. Experts say none of them were related to international travel.
4: This is USA News. Hey, this is Brandt along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots for Metashare? And Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brent, for real, do you recommend this? Like, yeah, uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people.
19: That's what I tell people my experience has been, MetaShare has been, fantastic for me yeah it's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways honestly yeah
4: and see a lot of people who switch tell me that it's the same reaction they're very very happy with it and it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money i would tell people look into it yep Uh, so really for reals uh if you want to talk to them they're great to talk to i think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it so Um, You do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. Okay.
10: Call now.
19: 855-BIBLE-11. That's 855-BIBLE-11.
10: 855-BIBLE-11. Nice job. Thanks.
7: The Marine Corps is without a leader for the first time in over 160 years. Commandant General David Berger officially retired Monday, leaving his assistant commandant as acting leader until he's confirmed in the Senate. But Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville has a hold on Pentagon nominees over its abortion policies. They provide paid leave and reimbursement costs for service members who cross state lines to get the procedure. Tuberville says it violates a law prohibiting federal funds from paying for abortions. PGA Tour officials will answer senator's questions Tuesday on the agreement between the PGA and Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund to create one global golf league. Aaron Real reports.
19: The PGA Live Golf merger, a pact between bitter enemies that shock the golf world, will come under scrutiny today on Capitol Hill as Senator Richard Blumenthal and Ron Johnson called a hearing to investigate a final deal between the two sides. The merger will also be investigated by the Justice Department, which was already investigating the PGA Tour and other power golf bodies for potential anti-competitive behavior. Lawmakers have the ability to make life difficult for the tour, going after its tax-exempt status, and will probe live about whether its work constitutes that of a foreign agent. The Saudi-backed Live Golf Tournament persuaded many of the golf world's top players with hundreds of millions of dollars to participate in their league. It's July 11th, also known as Free
7: 7-Eleven Slurpee Day. To celebrate the convenience store chain's 96th birthday, anyone who stops
20: by can get a free small Slurpee. I'm John Schaefer. USA News.
0: That's 800 392
16: 7027. Limitations and exclusions apply. First month free with purchase of single plan. Visit choicehomewarranty.com for more details.
18: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so
12: fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it.
17: Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
2: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show, 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. We always have these articles about winners and losers in the draft, even in the baseball draft. They have winners and losers, blah, 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 and um, I noticed that the A's uh, drafted this kid... Um, out of uh, Oral Roberts who had the all-time uh, leading um, hit streak in the history of uh, Oral Roberts. His name is uh, Jonah Cox and um, he hit 412 to help the Golden Eagles get to the College World Series. But all I've read about the A's is that they were one of the big losers of the draft. Because Jacob Wilson, if you made him a big leader, only one other guy has a lower exit velocity than him as a hitter, and that's Esteriri Ruiz, who's the A's best player. (laughs) That's why scouts were scared of him, because he's not going to hit any home runs. Okay, fine. What if he bats 330? Um, and then, interesting, an article at a CBS that they said the biggest winner in the draft was the Giants. How about that? They had three first-day selections. And they love this kid, uh, Eldridge, Bryce Eldridge. Six-foot-seven, power arm, and a huge bat. mccovey Kobe type of bat. But... They took, uh, and this is the thing, Michael Holmes, Walker Martin, Joe Whitman. They just said that the Giants basically got, those were all first round talents they got for the first three rounds. What it is, is this is supposed to be the deepest draft in decades. I think that's what we're looking at because of the pandemic and there's just not as many picks anymore. But we'll see who's the winner and who's the loser of the, like they said, Chase Dolander lost the draft because he got drafted by the Rockies. We'll see. Come on back.
18: This radio commercial was made to convince you to stop speeding. We can't use siren sound effects on the radio, so we'll use other equally jarring sound effects to get your attention, like telling you that whether you drive a little over the speed limit or a lot, you can crash just the same. You could hurt yourself or, worse, others.
9: I'm at the scene of the collision.
18: And the damage you cause will be beyond repair. See? We didn't have to use crash or siren sounds after all. Speeding catches up with you. Brought to you by NHTSA.
22: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? Quick Cash Offer can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents and risking your safety by showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your home to foreclosure. If you have any equity in your home, we will buy it and give you cash within days, all in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call Quick Cash Offer now before the economy gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just don't want to get the cash you need today.
0: 800-788-1495. 800-788-1495. 800-788-1495. That's 800-788-1495.
6: Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family, you never imagined it would come to this. Instead of living your dreams, you're living with debt. In fact, it's smothering you,
21: Coming up
2: next, Rick Tittle. Hey, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast. And uh, we have an open segment, it seems. Coming up next is Khalil Everidge, scheduled, and author Tim Brown, the Dow of the Backup Catcher. We will uh, an amazingly uh, positive review from Jeff Passan, who I'm a big fan of. Don't get Jeff Passan mad, though. He will tweet at your ass. That's right, and Twitter hurts. Right? No? Nothing. Uh, I mentioned Jacob Wilson being drafted by the A's. His dad, Jack Wilson, the former infield all-star with the Pirates and also the uh, Mariners. But not just the only uh, family bloodlines. Uh, I was talking yesterday with Nick Turturro about George Lombard. And he's the bench coach for the uh, Tigers. And uh, he played in six years in the bigs. Uh, Miles Naylor, who the A's drafted 39th overall, his two older brothers both play for the Guardians. The catcher Bo is a rookie, and uh, Josh Naylor is the more familiar name. He's a first baseman. Now, here's the thing: the last time three brothers appeared on the same team, and I thought, well, yeah, the Elu brothers. No, Hector Jose and Tommy Cruz with the Cardinals. Okay. <laughs> 1973. So I guess I'm wrong. Uh, Jake Goloff. And I know that name because his brother, Zach Goloff, could be on the team at any point. He's a third baseman hitting 304 with 12 home runs in Triple A. Meanwhile, Tony Kemp is batting 190. Just call up Zach Goloff, will you? By the way, if Zach Goloff had a bet with his brother, Jake Goloff, about who would be drafted higher. The A's took uh, Zach Goloff a few years ago, 60th overall. The Dodgers yesterday took uh, Jake Goloff, 60th overall. They were both the 60th overall pick. That's funny. Uh, Paul Wilson, a left-handed pitcher, got drafted by Detroit. His father was Trevor Wilson of the Giants. And there's three things about Trevor Wilson that I really remember. And I was working TV in those years for the Giants. <clears throat> was, or doing Giants games, I should say. non employee. One was he, his natural look was a smile. So he was always like this. Do you remember Trevor Wilson? So Trevor Wilson always looked like this. And I remember people I worked with, well, you stop smiling, you son of a blank. I'm like, that's his natural look. It's weird, but it was. Uh, He was also a guy from Pittsburgh, and his passion was bowling. So apparently all Trevor Wilson did was bowl in the offseason. The other thing I remember about Trevor Wilson is that after he would pitch, he would walk up the mound back to the rubber backwards. Like he would never turn his back to home plate. Throw a name out there, and I'll tell you three things about him. (laughs) Anyway, Trevor Wilson um, had a pretty... Good career with the Giants. I mean, he had a sub-four ERA. Uh, Homer Bush, junior, Padres, outfielder. And I said, oh, yeah, Homer Bush. His dad was an infielder with the Blue Jays. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was a pitcher, and he played on the Reds and the A's. I'm like, oh, wait, no, it's Homer Bailey. Homer Bush. Kyle Caros." That's an easy one. Eric Karros, Uh Also was a rookie, I say also, he was, Kyle carros drafted 145 overall by Colorado. Uh, Eric Carros was Rookie of the Year, and um, he had, um, you might remember that his son Jared was drafted by the Dodgers last year, but 284 home runs, and of course, get a cup of coffee with the A's. If you're a player for the A's, um, you probably were a former Dodger. Mike Piazza, uh, Eric Carros Ron Say, Davey Lopes, yeah. Uh, Kevin Sim, third baseman drafted by the Diamondbacks. Now, you might remember, or maybe not, John Su Sim hit more than 300 home runs for the Hyundai Unicorns in Korea. He is a Korean legend. His son, Kevin, is now part of the Diamondbacks organization. Connor O'Halloran, good Italian boy. His father, Greg, pitched briefly for the Marlins. Um, He appeared in 12 games, every one as a pinch hitter. Wow. That's pretty good. And uh, two hits. Two more hits than I got. Um, I mentioned Jonah Cox, who batted 412, and has the all-time college hit streak batted uh drafted by the A's 166 overall. His dad Darren Cox played for the Expos in uh 1999. So, I, there are some bloodlines, yeah, but the whole thing about winners and losers from the draft. You know, you could write an easy article just saying the winner, LSU baseball. Yeah, that's true. And not just Skines and Cruz, but you had three other top 100 selections. Ty Floyd was 38 to the Reds. He's a right-handed pitcher, as is Grant Taylor. 51 to the White Sox. And the first baseman, Trey Morgan, went 88 to the Rays. That's pretty good when the top 100 picks, five of them and one and two, are your team. But just getting back to to Chase Dolander. He was the top college pitcher going into the season. He might have even been number one overall. But apparently, he tinkered with his delivery. The fastball command wasn't there. His new slider wasn't working. But he finished the year very strong. And the Colorado Rockies took him ninth overall. And so they said, oh, he really lost. Why? Well, Because, they say, that Colorado doesn't develop pitching. And two, that if he plays at Coors Field, the ball's going to fly out. Well, this is the same thing. Like Todd Van Poppel, I'll never play for the Braves because they stink. You know? And then they go on a dynastic divisional run. So it's just too easy to say that. I mean, you think about Kyle Freeland and John Gray. Those were first-round picks. <clears throat> by the <clears throat> by the Rockies that weren't disasters. If you look at um it's interesting all the shortstops that were drafted, the number one shortstop off the list was my man Jacob Wilson. But the Rays were also in the same category as the Giants. They had um three picks on day one and Braden Taylor, I said he was my favorite guy. He's out of TCU Adrian Santana is a high school shortstop, and Mississippi State outfielder Colton Ledbetter uh, is a left-handed power hitter who both were supposed to be first-round pick. Everybody was supposed to be a first-round pick, right? Uh, I thought that the the Marlins did a good job, but another uh, article I said said that the Kansas City Royals were the real loser. Why? Well, because they took Blake Mitchell, number eight overall, a high school catcher. Never take a high school catcher. Really? Well, does he have to stay a catcher? And then Blake Walters, the Illinois right-handed pitcher at 44 overall, they said, well, we th- we thought he was going to be lower. We don't know. That's the thing. Don't draft a high school catcher is the stupidest catchphrase I've ever heard, like defense wins championships. Good pitching will always beat good hitting. I'm going to point out 20 examples where it didn't. Yeah, but I do love that the big loser were the A's because they drafted Jacob Wilson. No one struck out fewer times in all of college baseball. Boy, that guy sucks. I'm Rick Tittle. (laughs) Come on back on byline.
21: the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life are you thinking about it what if we can promise you the same results for less than three dollars a pill if you're paying twenty dollars a pill for the other pills you're getting taken to the cleaners right now
0: paid for by Steel Man Pills 800-965-1295 800-965-1295 800-965-1295 That's 800-965-1295 How would you like to get high speed internet for your home for less than $2 a day? internet for your home for 50 bucks a month that's less than two bucks a day plus no contracts no upfront costs no equipment fees and our 15-day guarantee call now 800-617-5145 800 5145 800 5145 that's 800-617-5145
11: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. We've really been pumping up this movie, The Crusades. Rules were made to be broken. I had the uh, director on uh, the other day, Leo Milano. We had Nick Taturo on yesterday. Uh, Tomorrow we'll have the gaffer and a best boy. But right now we have actor Khalil Everidge. Khalil, we're pumping this up because it's just that good, isn't it?
1: It's amazing. I love the film. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud to be a part of it.
2: Now, did you have your own Catholic school experience, or if you didn't, how did you, like, research the agony of that?
1: Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, No, nah, I didn't go to a Catholic school. I went to a public school all my life, Um, but... Oh Diego's all boys high School, Well, we had a boys academy in our school, so it was all boys so uh it's it's less Catholic and more just about you know all, you know the the camaraderie with with the guys
2: yeah, I went to an all boy Catholic high school as well in Richmond, California, and there is something to be said about you know you can concentrate on sports and you got a lot of friends, but on the other hand, maybe nobody combs their hair and people are wearing dirty clothes because they're not trying to impress anybody.
1: Impress anybody. Facts. Facts are definitely a little musty
2: too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Crusades, our lady of the Crusades an all boy high school, and it's going to close and you are going to uh, be joining the, the rival school. And so what do you and your friends set out to do before that happens?
1: Um, so the movie takes place in a, it's, it's, it's two days it's a weekend. Um, and we set out to have the best weekend ever because come Monday, we don't know what's going to happen because they're saying that we're going to merge with our rival school. And it's like, they're they going to take all our girls. They're going to, you know, we don't we don't know what's really going to happen. So so we set out to have, you know, we teenagers, creative minds. So we set out to have the best weekend ever.
2: Tell us about who the wrecking crew is in this film.
1: <laughs> the wrecking crew is, a, so, uh, one of the guys, uh, he's He's girl crazy um so he he's the captain of the of the wrecking crew and he's he's trying to wreck everybody he's trying to tear 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 everybody's falling down so so uh yeah
2: so for you with your career, i mean you've been in a lot of good projects now what's that like when you know in Hollywood it's so hard to get work and yet your career is on uh going really well right now. How do you sort of cultivate that through your representation and the scripts that you pick?
1: Um, I wanna I started off uh with the movie Beats, uh it's on Netflix. Um came out in uh, twenty nineteen and that was a a, a a drama and I and I my, my favorite type of movies to watch and my favorite type of movies to, to do are coming to age films and that was a, a big coming to age film. But, you know, I was a real goofy kid in high school. I was I was the funny guy, I was the you know, the quote unquote class clown. Um so when everybody came out to see the movie they, they thought it was gonna be a comedy. But uh and they saw a whole different side of me. Um, so you know, I had I had never done a comedy here. Um Cobra Kai is more of a um action drama more than a comedy is it, is very funny, but it's more of a drama action. Um so just that it was hilarious, you know. The writers, Sean Leo and, and Jack, they're hilarious people. They put together a great script, and, you know, they they had they had me from day one.
2: So uh, for you now playing a high schooler, it's not like you're 37, right? How old are you?
1: <laughs> I'm 22. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when we shot the movie, I was 20.
2: All right, so it's not that much of a stretch, right?
1: Yeah, it's not that much of a stretch. Uh-uh. I play I play sixteen in, in Cobra Cat, so <laughs> uh, it, 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 it wasn't that much for stretch.
2: So, um, do you now? It's funny because I was mentioning Nick Tutturo, and he did all this serious stuff until Adam Sandler put him in a movie, and they realized right. that he actually had great comic timing. Do you want to make more movies like this now?
1: Um, like I said, I like I like movies that you know inspire the, the youth and the people that are coming up. Uh, and that that people around my age group can, can relate to. So, I, you know, I love, like I said earlier, I love coming-to-age films. So whether it's a comedy or, you know, a drama, just if it has a good story behind it and, you know, then a lot of people can relate to it. Then those are the type of films I want to do.
2: Well, being that's your favorite genre, you know, every generation always looks down on the youth and it's like, oh, these millennials with their TikToks and they don't know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> What are some of the things? Because obviously the amount of information and knowledge that your generation can get is instantaneous. But what what would be one or two criticisms you'd have on on your generation, if any?
1: Criticisms, um,
2: like are we not too, really critic? Two, nah, I wouldn't
1: say critic. Yeah, I wouldn't say criticism. Mm-hmm. I, I I would say more and more in the way we do things. You know, I I'm trying to show. I'm trying to shine light. On things through film mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying that's a that's a you know I'm, I'm not really hurting anybody through that you know what i'm saying just so in the in way we do things i feel like you know we can keep it a little bit more classy uh uh our, our generation uh so you know but i feel like we doing i feel like we on point i feel like we're gonna be the best generation out of all of the ones to come
2: yeah, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying about more classy. Do you mean the fact that it just seems like okay to, to throw F-bombs everywhere now and no one cares or there's like no no decorum? <laughs>
1: I, I, I wouldn't say uh, F-bomb. I love a good F-bomb here. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, this isn't the way we, we do things. Like people, people do things.
2: All right, I'm getting too deep here. Tell me about... Off the top of your head, <laughs> your favorite five minutes of this movie?
1: Uh, um, my favorite five minutes of the movie is probably best. Uh, I think. that's when when the red crew is chasing us through the uh, through the neighborhood, trying to get us. Um, I don't want to spoil the movie, but <laughs> we were really scared of them. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like fifteen of them, and there's only like three of us. So, so, and they just want us. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> running from them is, is, is very crazy to the neighborhood.
2: All right, we've been speaking with Khalil Everidge. He is one of the stars from VMA releasing. It's called The Crusades. Rules were made to be broken, uh, which is uh, on video and on demand and uh, digital and theaters uh, right now. Khalil, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me.
2: No doubt. And yeah, uh, I got a little deep there. Um, it's funny. I know somebody who um, has her son is going to be a senior in high school, and he said the one thing that he hates about his generation is that they'll all agree to go meet somewhere, and then when everybody gets together, everybody's on their phone. Like no one's talking. It's like we all agreed to come here. Let's hang out. Let's talk. And then, but everybody's just buried on their phone the whole time and i'm not going to criticize because if i was in that generation i might be doing the same thing you know i'm sometimes buried on my phone which i hate it's like people always tell me you got to get instagram you got i'm like if i do then i'm going to look at it you know and it's like and plus i don't feel like starting the building process all over again now i'm up to 50 followers i'm like ah oh, i just i can't <laughs> I can't. I, I sort of like leveled out at five thousand five hundred, something, like I don't know, like almost ten years ago, and I've like consistently been in the, <laughs> in that range. It might go up twenty and down thirty. I notice as soon as somebody likes something now, I sort of, and it's some uh, person who's pretending to be a girl, and it's just like, look at us, we're strippers, woo. I All I do when I go on Twitter is just block nonstop, block, block, block. Every ad that has ever been on Twitter, block. And now every once in a while there's some article that will say, Harrison Ford said this about the new Indiana Jones movie. I go, what do you say? Well, you can't look because you blocked that. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's on me. <clears throat> but I think we're sort of coming out of this gen- – this is me with my, my socio uh, – uh, cultural uh, impact um, expertise here. But it used to be like, if you want to make your mom and dad mad, like you would spray paint your hair blue, which I did once just for fun in high school and it was for a party. But now you'll get a blue snake tattooed on your forehead or you'll pierce some, you'll pierce a million things. And it's sort of like, look how self-destructive and look how much I'm in pain. What do you think, Mom? Yeah, it's too bad. That's a shame. But look, I'm suffering. I'm going to have this snake on my neck and my forehead forever. And I, I pierced my butt cheeks together. Yeah, that's too bad. Mom, aren't you paying attention? Anyway, we all, we all have ways of trying to get attention. For me, I'm so lonely, I drive the wrong way down one-way streets just so people will wave at me. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back with Tim Brown on Sports Byline.
11: Rick Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
2: All right. Thanks for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show New York Times bestselling sports writer Tim Brown. He has a, a brand new book called The Tao or the Dow, if you like, of the backup catcher playing baseball for the love of the game, which he has written with uh, Eric Kratz. Tim, welcome to the show. I think a lot of people might not know that you—you because you, we just you're synonymous with with baseball sometimes, but you were a a, a Laker reporter for a while. Is that right?
5: Hey, Rick. Yes, uh, I was for uh, gosh four or five years uh, in the aux. Um Right after I was, I covered the Yankees for three years, and then came out back came back out to the LA Times and covered the Lakers. Yeah.
2: So what gave you the idea, what was the impetus behind writing a book about the backup catcher and the Dow of him?
5: Uh, That's a good question. I I think that, uh, you know, I I did end up covering baseball for about 30 years, and about my favorite guy in every clubhouse was the backup catcher. There was a certain humility to him. There was a certain enlightenment to him. You know, he'd seen the wars and— And he was usually worn down, and uh, I just sort of liked the whole act. And I had been thinking about this project for many years, and as I was winding down my sort of day-to-day life, uh, Eric and I connected, and I thought that he would serve as a really good spine to a book that encapsulates... Or tries to encapsulate all of the backup catchers. Who are they? What is the culture of the backup catcher? And even more broadly, um, you know, what about our unique journeys and who we choose to be on them? And that's sort of what I liked about those guys.
2: I, I used to do shows here uh, with uh, John Baker, who had one year as uh-huh. the Marlins' everyday catcher, but mostly a backup yep. catcher. And I remember asking him about Jeff Mathis, who was a career under Mendoza line hitter, but he lasted 16 years because whenever he caught, it seemed that the pitcher he was catching, ERA would go down a point. And that's the thing I think, but <laughs> mostly we just look at the batting average and we think, why is this guy out there? But it's those little things that those backup catchers can add.
5: Yeah, I agree. And Jeff and John are both in the book. Um, I I think... The how I came to understand it, Rick, was that uh, you know pitchers are unique beings, right? And they, they a lot of them like to be coddled and paid attention to and uh, they get comfortable with one guy. and it, it's hard out there. you're standing on this little hill and everyone's staring at you and you're not really sure where the ball's gonna go. Um, and, and if you have a guy, if you have a backup catcher who plays once a week and he plays that once a week for you, you got a guy who's working, you know, seven days a week for you. It's he's like having a valet. And uh and I think guys get very comfortable with that whole feeling. And and if you're gonna hit one eighty nine or like Eric Kratz did, two oh nine, you better be a really good receiver. <laughs> you know. That's the the sort of the backhanded compliment is yeah, good catch and throw guy, that guy, he's a good catch and throw. Um, you know. Intentionally leaving out the bat part.
2: <laughs> yeah, good framer. <laughs>
14: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> well, I remember in the Bash Brothers years, um, when I was in college out here in the in the East Bay, that you know, Terry Steinbach was the all star game MVP, but Bob Welch, the late great Bob Welch, insisted on having Ron Hassey. And we've seen that with pitchers mm-hmm. over the years. They want they want their guy. I know Greg Maddox was like that and others. Um, and that's sort of, I kind of liked it because it gave the starter a day off, but also it gave that backup catcher a little love too.
5: Yeah. And I think that, yeah, uh, you know, it's funny how managers have decided how to play those guys across time. I one of the anecdotes in the book that I really made me laugh was Bruce Bochy, a Bay area dude mm-hmm. um, was a backup catcher in San Diego. And, whenever the Astros came to town or the Padres went to Houston, um, he would be in there against Nolan Ryan. And one day he finally, he and Ryan killed him, and, and as he killed everybody. And he went up to Dick Williams, the manager, and says, Dick, uh, I don't get it. How come I'm always hit? I'm the worst hitter on the team. How come I'm always getting Nolan Ryan? And Dick Williams looked him right in the face and said, because I don't want to get any of my other guys hurt. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, you know, they have their roles, right? Uh, You know, and I think that it's not always on the field. It's the great thing about backup catchers is by nature of the job, they have to figure out how to win games in the 21 hours around the game. And they become father figures and big brothers and priests and therapists and drinking buddies. And they do all these little things that make the guy next to them a little bit better. A
2: couple more questions for Tim Brown, the new book, the Dow of the backup catcher. Um, I remember when uh, Dallas Braden had his out-of-nowhere perfect game, Kurt Suzuki, the starter, was not catching for the A's. It was Landon Powell, who was had more fanfare. He was like the College World Series MVP, but he was a career backup catcher. In fact, the next year he got outrighted. Um, do you kind of like that better than instead of like Johnny Bench catching the perfect game, uh, a Landon Powell being the guy?
5: You know, it's funny you bring that up because it's, and I, I wish I had the percentage right in front of me. I should have written it down because um, I thought someone was going to ask this question, but a weird high percentage of guys, backup catchers, have caught no-hitters. Um, it's far more than the percentage of time they play. And, <clears throat> for example, six of Nolan Ryan's seven no-hitters were caught by backup catchers. The, the uh, combined no-hitter we just saw the Tigers throw uh, was caught by the backup catcher and again i think it goes back to um you know this defensive oriented guy a guy who's super prepared a guy who's gone through the scouting report i mean this is his this is his super bowl you know he gets to play on the day game after a night game or uh you know some miserably cold day in chicago that's your day but uh or when the cy young award winner is pitching. So. The the hyper preparation, the the full on commitment, the fact that he arrives with fresh legs, um, the more I thought about it, the more it didn't surprise me.
2: Yeah, I just was thinking Kyle Higashioka is basically the uh-huh. Yankees' backup, and he was the guy that caught Hermans the other day. Speaking of the call, Sam. Right. Yeah. Um,
5: exactly. There's an awful lot of that, and it's something along the lines of it's close to fifty percent, and we know that backup catchers are probably only out there 20% of the time.
2: You know, it's it's so hard to find a catcher who can really hit, and it's like the Yachtys and the Buster Posies of the world. And so we sort of accept, sometimes we do this with shortstops too, but mostly with catchers, like, we'll we'll accept you're hitting 220, you know, just hit 12 bombs and and, and catch a good game. But then, on the other hand, people will say, "Why aren't catchers the best hitters? They they see all the pitches." <laughs> <laughs>
5: I think because everything hurts all the time. Uh, it's it's funny, Rick. Um, you know, do you ever see the documentary? I think it's called like 10 Feet from Stardom" or 20 Feet." Yeah, from stardom, the backup like singers about yeah. backup singers, and it's so great. And it, it did occur to me while I was writing this book that um, you know backup catchers are always they're. Twenty points from stardom, you know. They, they all hit two fifteen, but if you could hit two thirty five, you'd be a starter and you might be an all star. Uh, but at some point in their lives, and this is you know we sort of look into this a little bit. At some point in all their lives, some coach or GM or farm director or somebody decided, eh, this guy can't hit," and then you stop getting the at bats you need. You stop getting the reps. You start stop getting the playing time. And sure enough, <laughs> you can't hit anymore because you're just not hitting enough to get good at it. And I would suggest that uh, you know a backup catcher who hits 200 or 210 is borderline miraculous because if you're if you're getting five or six at bats a week, um, it's near impossible to hit 210.
2: Mm-hmm. Would you also say? I mean, most backup catchers are usually an older guy sometimes it's a young guy that they're trying to blood but do you sort of feel too that the backup catcher sort of takes on you mentioned in the clubhouse you know like the dad mr advice or you know don't do that you'll get in trouble you know kind of like the big brother
5: yes uh i think that um you know they almost become the catcher slash coach kind of guy he's the guy on the rail he's the guy sitting next to the pitching coach he's the guy in the bullpen warming guys up and uh helping make decisions on you know who's who's ready who's not who's uh you know who's who's up for the moment who's not the other part of that is because they're up and down often um you know they spend half their time in triple a and bouncing around and all that stuff i do believe that the uh uh those sorts of backup catchers are helping to raise the next generation of catchers along with the next generation of coaches and managers, because they've spent some time in the big leagues. They know what's going on up there. They know what's expected. Uh, and they come back with that sort of information and, uh, you know, helping guys reach their next level, whatever
6: that is.
2: And finally, I mean, we've got the all-star game tonight. So I'll just throw this age old question at you. Um, do you like the fact that every team is represented or do you not like the fact that like Brent Rooker was an all-star and initially Wander Franco wasn't like, what side are you on? Uh,
5: I think over the years I've come, uh, initially I was just named the best 35 guys or whatever. And, and you know, if, if the A's don't have a player good enough, then they shouldn't get a guy. Um, but the rosters have expanded uh, by the time guys are checking out because they pitched Sunday or they're banged up or just don't want to go or whatever, there's something like 85 or 90 guys have been all-stars at this point. So why not, you know, at that point, go ahead and throw throw a guy in from from a team that maybe uh, wouldn't have one otherwise. But I have a straw, way stronger opinion on the fact they should still be wearing their team uniforms. Um mm-hmm. When I was a kid growing up, I thought that was awesome. Right. Uh, you know, I grew up in New York, a Mets fan, and to see a, a Mets jersey on the field at the All-Star game you know, was, was awesome. I, I loved that, and I wish they would go back to that.
2: Yeah, I agree with you as well. The book is called The Dow of the Backup Catcher, Playing Baseball for the Love of the Game, with our guest Tim Brown along with Eric Kratz. Tim, uh, always great talking to you. Thanks for coming on.
5: Thank you, Rick. I appreciated the time.
2: All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back on Sports Byland.
11: beats his servants.
2: All right, let me throw this at you. Chief Saholic Twitter. Chief Saholic Twitter. After graduating KSU in 2016, I was working a warehouse job making $12 an hour. Today I manage multiple warehouses throughout the Midwest region and make an excellent living and I'm only 28 years old. Hard work pays off, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. It's absolutely crazy where I was in my life just barely five years ago to where I am today. I'm the one who was responsible for the hard work and relentless desire to always better myself, but it was God who gave me that opportunity, truly humble and forever grateful. I just have two words for that. Bank robber. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so stupid. I'm the one with the hard work. Well, I mean, I guess if the, if the hard work is handing a note to some terrified bank teller saying, I have a gun, put all the money in a bag. It's just, it makes him even, I thought you couldn't get worse. But by the way, whenever they interview any sports fan, it's always a drunk guy from the fourth deck. it's always someone where the rest of the fan base is like, oh no, please not him, please. So this guy was already a raving jackass. And the fact that he said this was God and hard work, let me throw a reference at you. Charles Guiteau. If you get that reference, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Do you get that reference? That's the guy who shot James Garfield. He thought God told him to do it. Yeah. And then he thought Chester Arthur would rescue him from prison with General Sherman. He's like, they'll, they'll let me go free. It's called being insane. Chiefs-a-holic. He likes the Chiefs, and he likes alcohol. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll see you tomorrow on 9 a.m. peck time. my brain damage <laughs> great way to end the show